the Pro Wrestling Bowl. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Foundation of Wrestling.eventbrite.com. Standalone wrestling. It's going to be coming to Norwich, Connecticut. Definitely looking forward to debuting in Connecticut. It's our first time up there. There's a Kalisto meet and greet, which you get to meet him and you get a front row. That's 50. There's a front row for 30. And there's also a VIP white glove upgrade, which is a picture in the ring with our ring announcer and one standalone roster account, which is 35. So we have all different prices. And then we go down to a $20 GA as well. So again, there's something for everybody as far as the price structure goes to work with a group called Vet Ticks, where we give free tickets away to the vets and their families. Connecticut will be one. Well, if you want to laugh, you know, the, the person who's in that family that likes the comedy stuff is going to like that. If you want to see John Wayne Murdoch and like some hardcore bots and you're into that type of thing, you're going to get that. You know, if you want to see women's wrestling, you're going to get some of that. You know, so a, a great mixture of, you know, seven to nine matches to give a value for everybody and then to also give them something that they want to come back and see again. Anybody that's in the Connecticut area watching this, go out and support this $20 GA ticket, $30 front row ticket, and you also have VIP upgrades. Check out the website. Check out the interview. Davey Richards. I see TJ Perkins, Marco Stunt. But you also have guys like Bob Backlund who's going to be there. If you're anywhere near the Norwich area on May 20th, 21st. You're going to want to check that out. Standalone Wrestling. Some one hell of a card. Marco's stunt on the card. You have Nyla Rose, John Silver. You've got Kalisto for the meet and greet. Kalisto. If you don't think kids are going to want to see this masked wrestler, get your tickets early. Get the VIP package. Get your photo, your autographs. Line it up and let's knock this out of the park at Pistol Pete's in Norwich. $50 VIP, $30 front row, $20 general admission. Check them out at foundationofwrestling.eventbrite.com or check out our recent interview with Chad Menace and go to that Pistol Pete show because if we don't pack out Pistol Pete's, the chances of him coming back to this area very low. And especially look at the quality of that card. You got TJP, Matt Tremont, John Wayne Murdoch, one of the up and comers on IWTV. And this is going to be an IWTV pay-per-view. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82 Designs, 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82 Designs, at F-O-U-R, 82 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82 Designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's a light years better than our first one. Also, we divide the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. It's the Working Fans Combat Cast with the man they call Dave and Chevaruni. So it's another week of the Combat Cast. We're going to talk about what we just saw with UFC 273, including previewing this week's fight card on ESPN. But first, Chevy, why don't you tell me what we got coming up? All right. April 23rd, we're going to be previewing UFC Fight Night Limos versus Andrade. 
And then at the end of the month, April 30th, we're going to be previewing UFC Fight Night Font versus Vera. Mm. And then after that, we're getting back to the really, really great cards with May 7th, UFC 274, Oliveira versus Gaethje. That's just that card. Hell yeah. Very excited for that. You want to talk a little bit about PFL first? Yeah, so the PFL will be on ESPN+. Plus. It'll be on Wednesday the 20th, April 20th. So some names to look out for. Olivier Auburn Mercier. Mm. He'll be on the card. He used to be in the UFC. Jeremy Stevens making his PFL debut against Clay Collard. Oh. That's going to be a really good fight, I think. That, that has fight of the night written all yeah, over. Yeah, Clay Collard, I think, has been in the UFC before, too. Yep, he has great boxing. Yep. And Antonio Carlos Jr., shoe face, also used to be in the UFC. Oh, yeah. He will be on the card as well. So something to keep an eye out for some more free fights. If you you know you're already paying for ESPN plus Wednesday night fights. Absolutely. Were they on Thursday before? Maybe I thought they were on Tuesday for some reason. Okay. I, maybe I'm thinking of the contender series. The contender series was definitely yeah. on a Tuesday. Yeah. So we'll talk I, I know they've been on Fridays before. Okay. Yeah. I I know there was like another night they were on. And I didn't think it was Wednesday, but I wanted to, as someone had sent this to us, since we're about to talk about UFC 273, I wanted to bring up this thing before I forget. Alexi Oynek, who we were going to talk about, got a big victory this weekend. And when this guy made his UFC debut, if you remember this thing here, Bill Clinton was U.S. president. The UFC was three years old. Michael Jordan was winning NBA championship. Max Holloway was in kindergarten. DVDs were about to replace VHS. And people consume music through portable CD players. I was on Twitter somewhere, I believe. Yeah. MMA history. Anyway. <laughs> this guy's been around quite some time. And I think he's 44 years old at this point, And he, he's still choking dudes out. Yeah. Unbelievable. I heard some people talking about, I think it was Anik and Florian Podcast, where he was talking about that when you see him, you're, like, you're, you're shocked every time he wins. And I think one of the producers for the show was like, he laughs out loud every time he wins because he just can't believe it because yeah. he just looks so old. But like he's got like this incredible strength. Like his grip has got like one of the strongest grips, you know, you'd ever want to feel. And that he's absolutely like once <laughs> he gets his hands on you, he's capable of hurting you. Yeah, he gets people and you think they'd learn by now that that Ezekiel choke or scarf choke or whatever it's called. You know, I feel like guys think that they're safe because they're not giving up their back, but he slides his hand in. He was was showing his opponent after the fight how he did it, but he slides his hand in. Once he gets his hand in there, he just flips his elbows up and, and, you know, you have to tap or you're going to sleep. Because I think you feel like you're safe until he, once he puts that pressure on, it's immediate. Speaking of some prelim fights, that was the early prelim fights he was on. Yeah, I know. Well, Mike Mallet, I did not get a chance to see this, but he apparently TKO Mickey Gall pretty good. Yeah, it was a pretty good fight up until that point, and, and Mickey stepped into a right hand and face planted uh, on the canvas immediately. He did regain his consciousness and, and tried to fight back, but stoppage was made. And when he went down, he didn't put his hands out at all. Like I said, he face planted. So it, it was a good stoppage. Tough break for Mickey Ball, for Mickey Gall. Good debut for uh, Mallet. And he uh, talked about his boxing coach's 15-year-old daughter is battling cancer. And he's gotten a lot of support, even from fans handing him money on his way out of the octagon. So way to make the best of an opportunity there, for sure. He said he was going to donate some of his or his winning purse, I think, to uh, his coach. And actually, when they talked to Dana White about it afterwards, he said he can keep his 10 grand. He said, we'll take care of that. So Yeah, Dana said he would donate his win and show money. Oh, very good. So, I mean, he's 
that was his first fight, so he's probably making twenty grand altogether. But still, right. good good on the UFC. Yeah, so they seem to do that stuff once in a while when things like this come up. So right, PR opportunity for them for sure. Get that, <laughs> get the press off them about their fighter pay. But yeah, we did good. <laughs> yeah. Raquel Pennington beat Aspen Ladd. Did you see this fight? What do you think? I did. It was a very close decision. I think Aspen thought that she won, but I don't think either girl really should have thought that they had gotten robbed. I thought it could have went either way, but I was fine with Raquel getting the nod. It was a good. It was a good fight. Good. Good marker to see where Aspen Ladd is at because Raquel is. I don't I don't like to say gatekeeper because it has a bad connotation to it, but she's right up there in that contender position. Now she's not quite championship material, I don't think, at this point, but she's up there for sure. Now another fight on the uh, prelims. I came in for this one. Anthony Hernandez getting a victory by decision. Josh Frimid. I thought this was like a pretty competitive matchup from what I remember. Anthony Hernandez gets another victory, though. Uh, what do you think about this guy? Yeah, I'd like to see him a little bit more active. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he's looked great in the in the fights I've seen so far. Still got a little ways to go, but yeah, good good performance. After that, I believe that's where we ran into Ian Gary. Yep, he got defeated Darian Weeks. Mm-hmm. Technical fight, 30-27, I think, except for one judge had it 29-28. Maybe a little more competitive than some people thought. I'm looking at weeks now. Like This is only his second fight in the UFC. His other one was a three-round loss to Brian Barbarino, so no shame in that. Right, tough first uh, fight. Yeah, and overall, he's 5-2, and two, so I feel like we don't really know a lot about weeks, too. Like, he could be, this could be something we look back at and go, wow, Ian Gary was pretty efficient. What do you think about the performance overall? It was good to see Ian go three rounds. I th- I was one of those people that thought he was going to get a, like, a first-round knockout um, because he is such a big prospect, but we'll talk about it later on, but... It's good to see some of these prospects get all they can handle and right. push through and show that they can handle it. I want to talk about uh, something else, too, that's come to mind. We don't talk about a lot, but like as on the East Coast, I hear Anik talk about this sometimes, too, and Luke Thomas, but, you know, pacing of a card. Like, overall, this was a good card, and it was one really great fight in the middle of it, I thought. But, whew, and I mean, we'll, we'll break it down individually, but, man, like, if we could do something sometimes to move some of these fights along nights like i get it if we're if we're getting finishes and you want to stall for a little bit of time and you know we're gonna end about 12 30 and one o'clock on a late night i'm fine with that but man these two o'clock fucking shit you know, when I'm, I'm getting home a little after two it's like what the hell are we doing here <laughs> yeah that's too late i mean i get it that you know it's a global audience and yeah, yeah. We gotta suck it up, and you know the people in Europe don't want to hear us complaining about two a.m. when they're getting up at two a.m. or whatever to watch the cards. But I don't know. I, yeah. I, just, I agree with you when when it's that many decisions and stuff. I want to see. Yeah. I don't need to hear the interview from the loser in right. you know third to last fight. Like just get them out of the octagon. I don't. They don't need to take pictures and shit. Get them it's out. Cool, yeah. Get the next guys in. We'll move the show along at this yeah. point. You know? You've already got our money, so I, I say for at that point. Yeah, we could even, you know, if you really want to, like, for me personally, the streamyard, I'd like to see them, unless it's something like really pressing, like we saw with Hansman and Burns. You know, it was an amazing barn burn or something. Let's put the interviews at the end of the pay per view. 
You know what I mean? Like we already do a post so like why can't we just have that for some people that have been like, you know, if you want to stay up late and like, oh man, I'm gonna nerd out and watch some of this stuff, awesome. But for some of us who like are tired or you know what I mean? Like, okay, we got rid of we were done with the fights. And by the way, I rented this. So if I want, I could go back the next day and you know, check it out. Especially since so many fighters don't take the opportunity to to or capitalize on that post-fight interview to call people out or anything yeah so many people are like i'll fight whoever the usc puts in front of me or whatever if that's what you're gonna say i don't need to hear your yeah. your post-fight interview first rather fight. be in bed you know <laughs> i agree i agree that's why i brought it up first fight mark madsen versus vince michelle from hell Madsen with a decision. The guy's still undefeated. I know he's Olympian, but I got to be honest, given the fact I know he's had a lot of years in combat sports when you talk about his wrestling, I don't know if this guy is going to be a guy that I see, like, unless he makes some great strides and really improves his game, he seems a little too one-dimensional for me. And I feel like once he steps up, especially in the lightweight division, like, I think he's got a ceiling. I think this is a top 15, maybe top 10 guy at best. Yeah. I agree with that assessment. Right now. He's also not very interesting. Mm. He kind of has like a cringy personality. I don't want to be a hater, but I'm not a big fan of the guy. Oh, I know. (laughs) This fight started. I don't like his fighting style. Uh, I don't like his attitude. But I mean, he's 4-0 now in the UFC. He's 12-0 overall. I don't want to completely shit on the guy. And I mean, like for the most part, it's six decisions and it's three and three. He's got one TKO win in the UFC. That was his debut. But I, I just feel like, you know, Quay Guida, a tough, solid competitor, you know, been around the block and he got a split decision win over him earlier. Now, maybe this is a case where he's going to continue to improve and get better as time goes on. I mean, Brian Ortega did that at Feather. If you look at Brian Ortega's early performances, even though he was undefeated, he was winning some really close ones. He had to like come back almost Last all second, the time. Yeah. But right now, on the trajectory from what I'm seeing as a fan i just i think there's a ceiling with this guy and man he's got so many credentials though when you look at his wrestling resume it's very very impressive i don't know he's 37 years old i mean that's not old but it's not too young either so i just feel like you know like unless we see some great strides in the next fight like i don't see this guy beating some of the top top lightweights in the world i don't think so either but i also think i'm pretty biased so (laughs) well a great win for him anyway I'm just not interested to watch him fight anymore, to be honest. I just yeah. like if he's on the prelims, I'm not tuning in specifically to watch him. So president of the Mark Madsen fan club. <laughs> we sorry, are sorry. That's all right. Well, let's go to someone I know you do like. Mackenzie Dern, big victory over Tisha Torres. Tisha Torres, tremendously, you know, her strength. She showed a lot of like, you know, power in being able to fight off those submissions. We'll just say what's up here. We got Randy Osga in the comments. What's up? We got Kevin. Oh, hey, what's up? What's up, guy? I see. Hey, so many friends here. So, but yeah, I thought Torres showed a lot of strength. She's very durable, never gets finished. And I thought this was contrary. We were talking about with Madsen. I thought Dern is showing tremendously a lot of upward now. Like, I think she's really starting to become really impressive with her performances and she's showing a lot of improvement. Yeah. We talked about this in the preview show, but she has fallen in love with her striking, but your striking has been solid, but I was so glad to see her jump guard on Tisha mm-hmm. and try to lock in that Kimura. I was so excited. Props to Tisha for fighting that off. I was super impressed with that. I was really impressed with Tisha's 
taekwondo her body kicks to keep mckenzie off of her i I thought that was a great game plan overall i was just super shocked that she didn't get finished on the ground there were there were a few opportunities for it to happen and it didn't happen so props to her for that but i'm glad that mckenzie got the win she's moving on with uh, with another w tisa torres and i i don't mean to be insulting but to me she's becoming like the ultimate gatekeeper in the sense like she truly is just a tough tough person that you can't just finish and get out of there she can beat you but if you're one of the elite or one of you know you're really good like she might not beat you but you're not just gonna roll over her and you're not gonna tko her you're not gonna just submit her i mean right right yeah she just doesn't get finished yeah no so you're going to get some rounds with her. Yeah, Jason Perot, too. I don't know if we had mentioned him yet, obviously, uh, working with Dern. I think he is a big proponent of her getting better and, you know, her improvement and her striking, obviously, you know, Bisping and so many coaches, uh, fighters will talk about what a great coach he is with striking. Mm-hmm. But props to him, too, where they're not completely getting away from what, you know, made her good in the first place. We're only improving on it. So right. I, I, I was, I'm, I'm staying a little longer into this because I was really, really impressed with this performance overall. And at Women's Strawweight in particular, like, I'm really excited to see. Like, I feel like Dern could be, a, especially with that jiu-jitsu game, she could be a very interesting matchup with a few key victories for somebody like a Rose. Yeah, if she could learn a little bit of wrestling to get a takedown so she could get the fight to the ground at will, so she doesn't have to jump guard to use her jiu-jitsu. Uh, she'd be twice as dangerous, I think. Absolutely. Fight of the night. This was something else. Hazmat Chemaev versus Gilbert Burns. Chemaev comes in looking so relaxed, giving you those old Conor McGregor feelings in the sense that, like, and I'm not trying to, like, you know, compare, but, like, you know, like, he just looks so relaxed. And then you had Gilbert Burns, right? The bar from like looking like tense, like all the, he looked nervous. Mm-hmm. But boy, that's not what we saw. Like this fight went on. It was not like a 14 second smash. Like, you know, Chemayev comes in, impressive, almost gets the finish up, but Burns hangs in there. And I mean, we learned a lot. We learned that Hazma is not just like, nobody's going to not stand a chance against him now. Mm-hmm. But we also learned he's super durable and tough. And honestly, too, you know, it's occurred to me, like everybody's talked about how what a great fight does it. But, and I'm not trying to take away from Burns because Burns won the best in the world he's the first guy to test this guy but also i thought the way chamayev approached him he was not showing burns the respect you know of someone that could put him out and i think that should be noted because if his coaches can get chamayev to really tighten that up i wonder what kind of performance we see against usman because this guy's still improving and if you put him in there with usman now i think usman's a slight favorite according to vegas odds and i would say the same thing based off what we saw but this is a guy that's still evolving and i just hope when he eventually gets that fight with usman or covington if that's next that he approaches it a little differently and maybe, you know, learns from this fight too to, okay, maybe not just go in here thinking I'm going to maul everybody now. Now mm-hmm. I know that I got to put that work in, but I'm good enough to do this. Right. I agree. Uh, you know, we saw his corner being very animated and I believe they were giving him a hard time for just going in and brawling with Burns instead of using the huge reach advantage that he had. He was much taller than Burns. So they wanted him to use, you know, straight punches to keep 
Burns off him because Burns was just landing power hooks on him, but he's so much shorter. He has to step into in, into the danger zone to land those. So I, you know, have to eat some crow. I thought Burns was going to get smashed early on in this fight. And he showed that he definitely is one of the best. All the heart for sure. As cliche as that sounds, that's definitely what I saw. He got dropped and I think it was round two, popped right back up and he hurt Hazmat in the fight also so it was super close fight could have went either way really but i thought that hazmat deserved the decision which he ended up getting so there's talks about there being a rematch like a five round rematch mm-hmm. like i would be interested in seeing sure. that but i'm also interested in the in the covington fight any of those fights with him right now against covington usman edwards a rematch with burns any of that one like he's new blood he's exciting we still don't like i feel like completely know everything about him but we know he's good and he brings something to the different t- to the table so i'm excited at any fight he gets with that next with one of those top guys he was looking i mean this was a super high volume fight but he was looking pretty tired in those later rounds that does not bode well for him in a fight against Colby Covington. I don't think that Colby Covington hits nearly as hard as Gilbert Burns, so he might not respect his power and not go backwards at all. That's what I'm talking about, but... I thought Burns was looking a little tired, too, in round three. For sure. Yeah, but... But not going to get tired. No, Colby won't. (laughs) And Neil Usman. That's what they bring different to the table. Right. So, yeah, we'll see how uh, those fights plan out. I'm very interested, though. And, yeah, his coach, when he was yelling at Hazmat there, it gave me Ray Longo memories, which, of of course, leads us to our next fight. Aljamain Sterling versus Patrolon, Patrolon. And I believe we were saying before this, we were saying we're going to get a completely different Sterling. I don't think he's going to necessarily win, but he's not going to be that same guy. And you talked about like he had the neck injury and stuff too. So we weren't sure on that aspect what we we're going to see. But, you know, assuming that he was healthy, we expected this to be a closer fight than maybe some people were anticipating. Well, boy, was it. A lot of people really debated this one back and forth on who really won. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, Sterling got a decision, but it was like, this is like really 50-50. Like, I really felt like a lot of different fans, MMA media, nobody was really on the same page with this. I had to go. I would have to go back and watch round one. I could have seen this easily just being a draw, too. Same. But, yeah, but, I mean, good move for Sterling. And I think... It's interesting. Again, we talked about Perillo earlier. We're talking about like, you know, being the great striking coach, you know, being smart enough to let, you know, Dern, you know, do what she does. Longo's always been that way too, right? Like he likes to, he's a boxer guy, but you know, he lets his guys wrestle and do what they can. He's got the best coaches around to help with that stuff. And it was the wrestling at that turning point, right? I think it was round two. Yeah. Round two. And they really put it on him that we thought might be a 10 or eight round for Sterling. And it was something to me, like one of the most exciting parts for me, for whatever reason, when they go back to round two and an excited Ray Longo, who, if you listen to him like on podcast, really is a nice guy. Mm-hmm. But when he gets going, he's just, yeah, Haljo, tell that motherfucker. That's what's up. You know, like, he is just into it. And it's yeah. just like, okay, all right. They're, they're excited. And it's hard not to uh, feed off that. And now one story before I give this to you, because I, I heard this on the Anika Florian podcast, because Longo has a segment on there every week called the Longo Minute. And he had on his wall of champions, they have Chris Weidman and Matt Sarah, And they never put all Jermaine Sterling's yeah, banner up there. And he said, because of the way it was, he wasn't sure he wanted He knew all Jermaine wanted it. So I held off. But now after this performance, they put Sterling's banner there. So uh, I thought that's really cool. I don't think Neon handled this loss well, but I get that. It was a super close fight. What are your thoughts? Yeah, 
I think it hinges on two things personally for me for the decision. I have to go back and rewatch round one, like you said. But I also thought that round two should have been a 10-8 round for Aljo. He had his back the, you know, for three and a half minutes in that round or whatever. And he was threatening submissions the whole time. Jan was just holding just hand fighting for three and a half minutes to stall. So to me, that should have been a 10-8 round. So you could have said it was a draw or Aljo won. So I I don't think Jan should have been as upset as he was, but lots of people disagree with me. So Mm -hmm. I do think the fight was really close. I I did see Randy was asking if we're going to get a rematch. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the UFC wants to do that again. I, I think they're ready to move on from that. I think TJ is a better draw than both of these guys, so they want to get him in there in the mix again. So I think that's probably what we're going to see. It was a good call out from Aljo. TJ was in the crowd, accepted the fight, you know. So I think that's what we're going to see next, and I'm excited for that one. I agree. And you have Cruz and Aldo fighting each other at some point. And if, let's say, Sterling wins, right, and Cruz or Aldo, whoever wins that fight, you could do Sterling versus Aldo and Cruz. It's a fresh matchup, right? We haven't mm-hmm. seen a top contender. And let's say Dillashaw wins and Cruz wins. Cruz holds a victory over Dillashaw. It's a rematch. The reason to do that. Or we haven't seen Dillashaw Aldo. I think there's fresh matchups to be made. I think Jan will win another fight or two. And then he's going to be right there anyway. And we might get a trilogy, even though technically Jan is 0-2. But so is Holloway. And this, I think this is even weirder because Jan had DQ, right? Yeah, DQ, yeah. Yeah, so Jan definitely deserves a rematch at some point if he keeps winning. But I think it's time. You know, the second fight we did, it took us a while to get to that. It's not like you got to look at the business point of view to a certain extent, too. And not just the fact that, yeah, TJ is more of a draw. Also, this wasn't like this was a fun fight for what it was, but this was not some barn. This was not Shemayev Burns, where yeah. these guys just tore the house down. And like, oh, we need this. And, you know, it, you can do that with lighter weight classes, too. Figueroa and Brandon yeah. Moreno, right? We, I'd be down for a fourth fight. I know that might not happen now, but those guys just keep killing it every time. They're undeniable. This was not that kind of performance, I thought. It was good. It was a good, smart performance, but also the kind of performance where I'm like, all right, let's move on and do something else for a little bit. And if these guys keep winning, it's right. a, it's there. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right. Main event time. Not a lot really to say here other than Volkanovski. Damn, impressive performance. We'd like to believe Korean Zombie had a puncher's chance. After this, he just looked like a guy that was aging. I don't know that he is aging, but that's how he looked because Volkanovski was just that damn good in there so solid a performer like the guy don't like the guy you can't take that away from him he is currently the best featherweight in the world <laughs> as he's recognized as the champ <laughs> but he's not i mean even if you think max won to fight and we have those fights again i mean like this guy's at least the number two you know what i mean like he's this he's that good he's one of the best featherweights in the world and there's a gap and it's holloway volkanovsky Ortega, and then everybody else. <laughs> mm-hmm. What did you think? Yeah, it was sad. I thought, first of all, a great stoppage by Herb Dean. Korean Zombie was just way too slow, and he got hit way too much. I know that's his thing, you know, how he got his name, Zombie, and everything, just walking into damage, but he was too slow. He couldn't land anything significant on Volkanovski. Yeah, just just sad. But anyway, Volkanovski, yeah, he's a great fighter. I'm glad he showed a lot of respect to Korean Zombie after the fight. But I'm also not a huge fan of him either. 
but I'm a huge homer for Max, so I think that probably has to uh, <laughs> play into it. Interesting to note that Cejudo entered the USADA testing pool after this fight, well, and he's been calling for that chance to get that third belt. You know, matchup-wise, as far as featherweights go, Volkanovski is the best matchup for Cejudo because they're similar heights i don't think he gets it i don't think he's gonna get it either i think dana is upset with suhudo's antics yeah. yeah and yeah and bailing after winning yeah both belts so i mean i he, don't see him get it he might have to now he might get a featherweight fight and if he's he that, fight. then yeah, yeah then, I believe that. then he gets a shot but absolutely yeah. I don't think but, he's going to get a direct. But I think he's going to get either Max he's Holloway. Get, yeah. Oh, he's going to get one of, a bad matchup with one yeah. of the elite. So we can say, hey, we put you into a top contender. Just was he wasn't good enough. Yep. And it's going to be up to Cejudo to make himself, again, I feel like I said this a couple times, but make himself undeniable where he's going to have to like beat the very best in the world where Dana's like, ah, shit, all right, we got to give it to him. It's a lot of tough matchups for him at that yeah. division, yeah. Like a Yair. Like Yair's other guy gonna be 10 feet outside of Cejudo's range the entire fight. Mm -hmm. Ortega, Cejudo, take him down at your own risk. Good luck getting in on Max. Calvin Cater, that that might... just Everyone's so much bigger than him. It's tough. It's gonna be tough. Cejudo wants to make money, but also at the heart of the matter, I feel like this guy is just a competitor. Right, legacy. He definitely cares about legacy. And he wants that featherweight title. So, I think he's gonna try to call out Volkanovski... He's going to keep doing what he's doing. He'll try to get a Conor McGregor fight, I'm sure, too. He's going to try to make money. Yeah, I know. Who would invite? But he's going to get that notoriety. He's going to keep doing things like that. But he will take, I think, you know, if he has no choice, a fight with Holloway or Yair. And it'll be very interesting, especially if it's Yair, given Cejudo's wrestling. But also, like you said, Yair having that great advantage with length and height and reach. And but he uses it, too. He's, he does. He does. And is he so big that Cejudo just wrestling as good as he is, won't be able to do anything with that? However, I, that's an interesting fight to me to see what kind of featherweight Cejudo will be. I feel like Max will just eat him up. Like, yeah. I don't think it's that, even like... That's the hardest matchup, I think. Just, oh, yeah. I think it's... Just that's his fight IQ, you know, his takedown defense. Yeah. Absolutely. If he can beat Max Holloway, though... Fuck, like, <laughs> it's going to be like, what? I don't even know what to think then at that point. Yeah, undeniable. But, you know, we didn't mention him. Another tough, tough matchup for uh, Cejudo would be Ortega because now right. you're talking the striking, the size, also a guy who's elite, elite jiu-jitsu. Right. Yeah, take him down and good luck with that. You know, yeah. Stay <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ortega might let him take him down. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get to this week's fight night card this is not a super great card no all right well I'll, we'll make we'll make predictions on every one of these fights though that's what we'll do i'll not every main card fight i will make some kind of prediction here all right but before we do those yes. i just want to shout out on on the prelims chris barnett is fighting oh he's, he's the guy who wheel kicked gian Vellante, who is like a foot and a half taller than him so everyone can check that guy out too yeah he's he's fought at super heavyweight before yeah he's a big five eight yeah, yeah, he's he's coming at 300 pounds before on uh, cards in Japan and stuff like that. Yeah, he's he's interesting. Yeah, he can do like a little backflip or yeah, he did uh, the front flip and landed on his butt yeah. after. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's something else. Yeah, he's, he's dancing and stuff. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, a lot of personality. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's good. 
I wish he was on a man car, actually. First one, we'll, we'll try to not butcher these names as best we can. Monir Lazaz. He's known as a sniper. He's 10 and 2, 1 and 1 in the OC, 8 KOs, 1 decision, fighting Ange Lusa, who's 8 and 2, UFC debut, 5 KOs, 1 sub. I don't know much about these guys. I'm going to go with Lusa because he's making his debut. And I thought, what the hell? I hope this hope this guy does it. <laughs> I'm going with the sniper because he has UFC experience. I think UFC caliber opponents is always going to be better. Probably right. All right. Pat Sabatini versus TJ Lemire. Sabatini is 16-3, and 10 subs, 2 KOs, 4 decisions. He's 3-0 and in the UFC. One of the last five in a row. Yeah. Uh, against the Truth, who's 12-4, and 4, 7 KOs, 2 subs, 3 decisions. He's from the Contender Series. He's 0-1. It's going off records and stuff here. I like Sabatini. Yeah, same. Then we got, see if I'm saying this right. This one's going to be a tough one. Merla Bueno? Silva? Marla? Yeah. I don't know. All right. You got me. 7-2, and two, 1 Five subs, one KO, one decision. UFC record is two, two, and one against Yanan Wu, who's twelve and four. She's got six KOs, five subs, one decision, one and three. UFC two fight losing streak. I'll go with Silva. I'm going with Wu. Ooh, all right. I thought she's looked pretty good in her fights, even though she hasn't won them. I, th- I thought she was looking pretty good through good stretches of those fights. So I like it. Miguel Beza, Caramel Thunder. I like that nickname. 10 and 2, 7 KOs, 1 sub, 2 decisions, 3 and 2 in the USC, 2 fight losing streak. Yeah. Against Andre, we've seen this guy fight before. The eye hole? Yeah, sure. <laughs> 14 and 4, 11 KOs, 1 sub, 2 decisions, 0 and 1 in the UFC. I'll go with Carmel Thunder. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I don't see him losing a third one in a row. Yeah, he needs this, right? So yeah. let's see who does it. Then we got another one here. <laughs> Cario. Mahalo. I'm so fucking off on this one, bro. He's 10 and 1. Kyo. Kyo, he's 10 and 1. Four, four KOs, three subs, three decisions. UFC debut, two wins on the contender series. Yep. Against, God great. help me, this guy's name looks like an eye chart. Godzi Omar God. Godziev. Yeah. Well, that person. Omar well, that person's thirteen and zero, won the contender series, eight and zero, three subs, two decisions. So I'm going with Godzi. <laughs> yeah, so- sounds like another Russian destroyer. Yes. Although I do respect that. This will probably be fight of the night. I would. Yeah. Been. The fact that this guy had to win two contender series here to get in here, and he's only loss is like in his second fight of his year in his MMA career. This could be a very good one. Yeah. Then we got Vincente Luque, main event. This is the fight we really know about. The silent assassin. He's 21 and 7, 11 KOs, 8 subs, 2 decisions, 14 and 3 in the UFC. So Luque, most of his fights have been in the UFC. He's had performance of the night four times, fight of the night four times. He's got the second most finishes in UFC welterweight history. And then you got, remember the name, Bill Muhammad, who's 20 and 3. Interested to know, 15 decisions. He's gone to decision a lot, actually. He's a wrestler, yeah. Yeah, four KOs, one sub, 11 and the three in the UFC, one no contest. He's had a performance. That was eye poke with Leon yep. Edwards. Yep, performance of the night and fight of the night. He was a Titan FC welterweight champion. This should be good. I think Luke won the first match. Knocked him out, yeah. Knocked him out. TKO in 2016 on UFC 205. Connor versus Eddie Alvarez card. I don't think that's happening again. 
I think Muhammad has the skills to pay the bills right now. I think he's someone that's constantly improving. I like him. I think, I don't know, maybe I'm a little high on him, but I think he gets it done. I think he gets a decision. I'm a big fan of Bilal, but Vicente, since he knocked out Bilal in 2016, he has only lost to Leon Edwards and Wonderboy. Tough fight uh, against Wonderboy, too. Real gritty performance. Like, I thought Wonderboy won. But I thought if that had been like a five-round fight, I would have been like, yeah. mm, Luke might have won that. Yeah. yeah. Also, I feel like Luke, even though like I, feel, I said Muhammad is a brute, like Luke is a bad matchup for Muhammad too. Right. He's a great striker with submission skill. So I actually see the fight going a little bit differently this time. I think Blal's going to do his typical, you know, clinch on the cage and wrestle him. But I think he's going to get caught in a submission. You know, that hurts for me to say I'm a huge fan of Blal, but I, I do think he's going to get subbed later on in this fight all right well there you have it those are our picks and after this i don't know what we're gonna do about next week's card man <laughs> i mean i did see a, a couple fights on here though i see macy barber's fighting and quay gita's fighting and we might this might not be as bad as we think i just well yeah. when i when i first saw they didn't really have anyone else on the right so yeah. just when you have a headliner that's this week you know you assume the rest of the card's gonna be pretty weak yeah we could get a and also all these fights where you don't know anything about the fighters right. sometimes you know they're the best fights so Absolutely. that's a great part about mma why don't we tell people what we got coming up then one more time all right april 23rd we're gonna be previewing ufc fight night lemos versus andrage and then at the end of the month april 30th ufc fight night font versus vera and then we're gonna be getting into uh a heavy card at May 7th, UFC 274, Oliveira versus Gaethje. So many good fights on that card. We'll talk about that when it comes up. Until then, all right, guys, thanks for tuning in. And we'll be back here next week to talk more fights. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 